Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian. This is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So two stories this week. I want to talk about the Pfizer Project Veritas a video that dropped this week, and then I want to talk about a story out of Atlanta, Georgia. So first thing, the Project Veritas undercover journalist video that dropped. This was a big thing for Pfizer. Of course, it's being covered up. Nobody's actually reporting on it except for those the alternative media is somewhat. This was the person in the video from Pfizer is Jordan Tristan Walker. This is Pfizer's Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, MRNA Scientific Planner. Okay, and I'm going to go through a bunch of things that he said. I'll have actual quotes and I'll just have summaries and some of that and try to give you a large overview of what went on in this undercover video. So kind of to lay the groundwork, first thing is it's expensive and lengthy to develop new vaccines. We all probably know that, but just laying that out there. Two, their often developed vaccines are often developed too late and the virus has already mutated, okay? And this was all came up in the video, all right? And then three, Pfizer is mutating the virus themselves so they can create a vaccine ahead of large outbreaks, okay? And those were the three kind of big things that were talked about in the very kind of start of the video or not the start, but you know, the first parts of it. And so that was kind of, that kind of lays the groundwork though for you on where the rest of this conversation is going to go. And Jordan Walker was really very casual. (laughs) He was very uh, giddy for lack of a better word. At first, when I watched the video, I couldn't decide if he was slightly under the influence of alcohol or what. Um, and his communication skills ha- leave a lot to be desired as well. Very unprofessional. Although, you know, I understand you're out to dinner, you're you're with friends. Uh, still, there was some mannerisms that I thought, oh man, if this is the best that Pfizer has, uh, wow, that leave, they leave a lot to be desired here. But According to Walker, though, in this conversation, he shared with Project Veritas that Pfizer scientists are currently optimizing his word, the evolution of the COVID virus in order to create more effective vaccines. And then giggling, Walker shared these words, quote, one of the things we, Pfizer, are exploring is like, why don't we just mutate it? that would be COVID, ourselves, so we could create, preemptively develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating effing viruses, excuse me, his words, end quote. So that, that's what he's saying. Pharmaceutical companies are deliberately, or Pfizer specifically, is deliberately mutating viruses to preemptively create vaccines that they can then profit from. Just gives you all kinds of warm fuzzies inside, doesn't it? Walker then admits that some natural mutations, that would be uh, such as Delta and Omicron, may pop up that they aren't ahead of, but others that they will, that do pop up, they will have vaccines for. 
But either way, and these are his, his words, either way, whether it's a natural mutation or one they've developed in a lab, either way, COVID will be a cash cow for a while going forward, end quote. And just so you remember, the company's revenue has reportedly tripled to more than $100 billion since 2019, of which some $66 billion was made off of COVID shots. So that's just for, the, for you to tuck away in your brain. And then Walker admitted there are two ways that they mutate the virus. One, the way it would work is we put the virus in these monkeys and then we su successfully cause them to keep infecting each other and we collect serial samples from them. And then the ones that are more infectious, so like the virus, we'll put them in another monkey and you just constantly actively mutate it. And that's one way. Okay, end quote. That was all from Walker talking about one of the ways that you can mutate a virus. Dr. Robert Malone, who we've talked about on this show before, he spoke with Project Veritas on the matter, responding to this video, and said that the method is called a, quote, serial passage. And if you look that definition up within scientific lit literature, you will realize that this method is double-edged. Because on the one hand, it can be used to create an attenuated or weakened strain of a virus to develop vaccines. On the other, it can be used to increase its virulence or its ability to damage its host. And since Pfizer picks the more infectious samples, per Walker's admission, Pfizer is clearly pursuing the latter, looking for a stronger and stronger strain. Then the second, according to Walker, the other way that you can mutate a virus, or you can even do like directed evolution, which we tend not to prefer, and you just sample that you just sample what the different proteins on the surface on the virus look like over time. So there you can see the mutation and you can now force it to mutate in a certain way you want. But you have to be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something that goes everywhere. Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> so the journalist, the Project Veritas journalist, observed that this seemed similar to gain-of-function research. And that should have been kind of, might have been tickling uh, the back of your mind as well when you heard that quote from Walker. And once the Project Veritas journalist kind of threw that possibility out of, well, doesn't that sound similar to gain-of-function, Walker, there was a pregnant pause, and Walker, before he responded, and he said he quote, thinks, end quote, that, quote, it's a little bit different, end quote. And then he concluded it all like, it's definitely not gain of function. <laughs> and he prefers to call this, quote, directed evolution, end quote. And he went on to say this. He said, directed evolution is very different. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research with the viruses. They recommend not. But you do things like selected directional mutations to try to see if you can make them more potent. But, that's end quote. But then Veronica Kirilenko from the New American stated this. If the virus becomes more potent, then it means that it gains function. End quote. Very clearly, very succinctly. Thank you, Veronica. That's right on the money. If it becomes more potent, it gains function. That is gain of function research. And that's 
what they're doing with this directed evolution. Now, he said this isn't our preferred method. The preferred method is the first one that he talked about. But just because it's not preferred, are we all rest assured that they're not doing it at all? Eh, they might be dabbling in it a little bit. But it doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence either way because even with the first possibility that he talked about taking infecting monkeys one after the other and finding a stronger and stronger strain, that doesn't leave me with a lot of reassurance either, to be completely honest. And then there was a follow-up interview with Walker, and he implied that there's nothing to worry about as long as these mutants come from within a lab, since they will have a vaccine for it. He said, if you control it in a lab, then you say, oh, this is a new epitope. And then if it comes out later in the public, we already have a vaccine kind of working on it. End quote. Look, there's really no way to interpret that other than Pfizer is developing new mutants that they can sell vaccines for. While discussing Pfizer's attempts to direct COVID's evolution, Walker admitted the company is, quote, taking things slow, end quote, not because they're worried about people's lives, <laughs> but because they're worried about bad publicity. And Dr. Robert, Robert Malone expressed his disgust with the Pfizer employee in the virus manipulations and the covert virus manipulations. He said this, The gentleman seems to have absolutely no moral compass at all about what he's doing. The hubris and arrogance and immaturity. If this is the quality of individuals within Pfizer that are making these huge decisions that risk global public health with such a casual disregard for the human toll, it is profoundly corrupt in terms of it would be feasible for Pfizer to circumvent international or national law. I think that is undeniable. He's right on both counts. Or really, three counts. This, the immaturity of this guy who's in a high up director of research and development for Pfizer. He, just reading some of these quotes, I kind of got a twinge from him. Just very immature speech. And then to say, you know, Pfizer is making these decisions that risk global public health with a casual disregard for the human toll. Absolutely. We've known that. This just reaffirms it, and it's profoundly corrupt, and Pfizer is attempting to circumvent international and national law. I think that's, as it, Malone is correct on that, too. I think, you know, this video as a whole was not necessarily groundbreaking because a lot of us have known how corrupt the this Pfizer and this whole thing has been for a few years now, but I'm just really praying that this will open some people's eyes. Because here's the thing. People need to know the truth about the COVID vaccines, about this whole thing. And maybe this will open people's eyes because because here it's it's not just about, oh, me wanting to be right and, and or or us one side wanting to be right and the other side being wrong. There are people's lives at stake. And if they do not realize that they have put something that could possibly be very poisonous to them in their veins and in their body, they're not going to get help in time. And hopefully this will open some people's eyes to that. And they'll say, you know what? This pharmaceutical company is corrupt and I better go see my doctor 
and I better go ask them to run some tests for me to see if my heart, if, if, if my heart is in good shape, if there looks like there's any sign of blood clots, any of these other th- concerns that people are having these sudden onset of cancers that are stage four. Those numbers have spiked uncontrollably. So I'm just praying that this opens some people's eyes, that they would realize that. And if they got the shot or if they have a family member that did, that for them it would cause them to maybe go to their doctor and ask some questions and pursue help before something tragic happens. Not that it's going to happen to everybody, but we should all be a little careful, especially those who got the shot. And then, hey, maybe this will blow the top off the whole thing and Pfizer will actually be held accountable. Eh, kind of doubt it, but maybe in some ways, maybe their influence will go down. Maybe people will begin to not give them their money. (laughs) Um, Personally, I don't know if they'll ever be held accountable in the justice system, but hopefully people will begin to see the light and no longer give their money to Pfizer. Hey, this is Bob, the producer of this podcast. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know you can always get your questions into us. Ask us anything. Feel free to email me at bob at bobsloan.com, B-O-B at B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. Or you can always find that information and more in the show notes. Now back to Hannah. All right, let's go to the next story out of Atlanta, Georgia. So in November of 2018, William Dale Zulock Jr. and Zachary Jacoby Zulock, the latter of whom had previous child rape charges mysteriously dropped, adopted two elementary school-aged brothers in the Atlanta area. As indicated by court records, horrific sexual abuse began as far back as just one year later and continued until the adoptive parents' July 2022 arrest. During that period, the Zulak men allegedly, and I'm sorry for the graphic nature of some of this, I'm not going to go into all of the detail, but I, I will mention a couple of things. They allegedly anally and orally raped the boys and performed oral sex on them, often filming these horrendous acts and distributing them to other pedophiles in the Atlanta area, whom they allegedly met on the gay hookup app Grinder. The adoptive parents also allegedly invited some of these contacts to rape the boys. And I won't read to you all the rest of the things uh, that I read, some things that they texted about the boys as it will make you vomit. But Town Hall has done a four-part investigative series on this case, and you can read more about it there if you would like more details. Um, As a side note, I will just say that Town Hall and the New York Post were the only two outlets that I know of that reported on the story when the arrest happened last year. And as of this recording, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, among others, have not covered the story at all. So not only were Town Hall and the New York Post the only ones that covered it when it happened last year, when the arrest happened, um, it's only been the alternative media that's been willing to cover it and uh, as the case has kind of started to be exposed here recently. There, and as I said, me- most in the mainstream, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, 
aren't willing to touch it, not with a 10-foot pole. And Michael Oshia wrote an article for The Federalist about the shamefully poor response by the media to this story. And he wrote that this lack of reporting or societal horror, quote, illustrates the identity immunity that seemingly shields certain groups from media scrutiny. While it goes unchecked, this immunity will ruin lives, end quote. I could not have said it better myself. Certain groups are given media immunity based upon their identity, and while this is happening, little boys and little girls are having their lives ruined by pedophiles adopting them. Look, I talked about this when I did a review on the book Them Before Us. Excellent book. If you haven't listened to my review, you should go back and listen to that from, I think it was the early part of last year. Uh, One of the most eye-opening books them before us. You should go get it. You should read it. Okay. They talk about this, about gay men adopting children, specifically boys, and then basically pimping them out, using them for their own sexual deviancy and then pimping them out. Back to the story though. These little boys and girls having their lives destroyed by like I said, pedophiles adopting them by activist therapists who advocate for life-altering hormone therapies, by trans men and trans women exploiting children on stages at drag queen events. Did y'all see the picture this week? I mean, there's a picture every week of some poor kid. I mean, this this guy, and I'm sorry for the explicit nature of this, but it's a some sort of drag king, drag queen. I'm not really sure. It's obviously a man not really dressed as a woman, but in a very sexually inappropriate outfit. There's a little boy, probably four years old, standing next to him. The little boy's head is about hip high, and he's talking or singing into the mic that is bedazzled, and this man is holding it at crotch level outward as if it's his genitalia that this little boy is singing into. Just put that in your mind for a little bit, exploiting children on stages at these events. Also, teachers and school administrators who hide pronoun changes and cross-dressing by doctors who pimp unproven vaccines on a trusting parents and their babies. Hoorah, where'd that that one come from? It's true. Children are dying because parents are, they're just, they're trusting doctors. We should be able to trust doctors. Kids' lives are being ruined by race hustlers who convince young children that white supremacy resides within every white child and a victim resides resides in every black child. And these are just to name a few groups who have identity immunity. Who the media will never scrutinize. Because, well, they're furthering the narrative that they want. Going back to the story out of Atlanta, though, on the surface, these men cultivated the celebrated lifestyle of a modern family. Handsome, polished, funny, happy. I mean, their Instagram followers, they had like thousands of Instagram followers. They consumed these carefully curated photographs showing this wholesome, fun-loving family. Everything was normal, even admirable. 
Michael Oshia ended his article by entreating his readers not to, quote, aid the media in their desire to suppress this story, end quote. He said, don't aid the media in suppressing this story in order to both demand justice for these two little boys and for the potential victims of the future. I will go a step further. Do not buy the lies from pop culture about families with homosexual parents. When television shows, music, movies, the media, Hollywood, the world tries to convince you that homosexual men and women and drag queens are fun or dazzling or normal or possess a quirky sense of humor, remember that they're trying to hide a dark truth. Sexual deviancy is a dark, twisted path that once embarked upon always takes a person farther than they want to go, keeps them longer than they want to stay, and costs them more than they want to pay. You might recognize that, because my dad said that all my growing up years, and if you listen to his podcast, I guarantee you, you've heard him say it. How do I know it's true, though? Because sexual perversion, starting with sex outside of marriage, because, look, if we're going to be men and women of integrity, we have to recognize sexual perversion starts with sex outside of marriage. We like to go to just a homosexuality, but no, 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 no. It goes back further than that. It goes to heterosexual sex outside of marriage. And you see, that's why the, the church has lost its, its ability to stand against homosexuality and transgenderism because we quit standing against sex outside of marriage a long time ago. I mean, I, I, I was a part of a church at one point that had a, a, someone on staff at their church who had a child out of wedlock. Nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. And it was a sad situation, and she was devastated, but it was sin, and nobody dealt with it at all. It was just swept right under the rug. And that is exactly why the church has lost its ability to address homosexuality. I digress, though. But, as I was saying, sexual perversion, starting with sex outside of marriage, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, is a sin. And sin, as a rule, will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Just ask some of my counselees. Just ask King David, or Samson, or Adam. Cost you more than you want to pay. Look at your own life, and your own sin. You know it's true. So don't allow this story to be memory hold. And don't allow pop culture to whitewash sexual perversion. Heterosexual or homosexual in nature. Teach your children the truth. Choosing the gate that is wide in the way that is easy leads to destruction. I'll say this before I end, though. If you or a child have embarked on this path or any path of sin. Remember the whole of what the Lord says to us in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. The first part, just hang with me to the end, says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Take that with you this week. Take that with you. Don't buy the lies. Stand for the truth. But in all of this, remember, grace that is greater than all my sin. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com.